This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So uh, we can see the penalty, blah, blah, blah. Then we can see the goal. And then you have to, and then you see, um, Aston Villa was screwed, I would say, in the second half. They didn't know how to deal with it. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com, and your host. Joining me as the business end really heats up. There's one game to go, but the penultimate weekend has served up a treat for Villa. Joining me to discuss that, Mr. Chris Bird, Mr. Phil Shaw. How you feeling? Oh, I'm trying to calm down. Fever yeah. pitch. Giddy. Bring on, bring on next week. Our favourite second team, Brentford. Oh, some fucking bastards, normally. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> managed to beat Spurs and, and gave them a good little slap, actually, on the, on the way out. They did. Before uh, I, didn't, Spurs, I didn't see that coming, to be honest. Spurs did their lap of honour. No, I, I was thinking they might be able to get a draw here. And I thought that would be a good result. I kind of saw, I thought before the game, thinking, if we can match Spurs, whatever we do, that's you'll take that. And then... No, you wouldn't, because of the goal difference. Mm. I, we needed something. But I, I was hoping that Brentford could peg them back somehow, and you then you'd be relying on leads. But, I mean, watching Spurs at Villa Park, I thought, oh, actually, the Brentford thing's on. There's, there's a potential here. They're just so passive, aren't they? And when they were, Spurs went 1-0 up, you thought, okay, they're just going to take care of business here. And, uh, and they should have, really. Happy days. And that, that kind of set you up. That was the momentum we really wanted to take into this Anfield game. Yep. But Brighton destroying Arsenal really took the wind out of our sails because we were quite pumped up for this Anfield trip after the Spurs win. But then Brighton did us dirty and you're thinking, yeah. But then we were back again. Bit of wind in our sails and uh, a good game at Anfield. A proper tussle. This is hopefully the kind of calibre of games we will be in, involved in. Uh, and I was looking at it as a dress rehearsal for a European away day. Well, that's how the game played it played out, didn't it? Really, but we'll you know we'll get on to that. But it was a uh, it was probably certainly we think we said in match club it was probably the most sweaty palmed game we've had probably since the relegation running under that after that first year back in the uh, back in the Premier League. It was a meaty tussle. Before we go on, though. A big shout out to the sponsors of these shows as we come to the end of the season. Uh, NordVPN, if you are in the market for a decent VPN package, to provide safety for your online browsing 
and streaming, especially if you've got a Fire Stick, or you want access because obviously you can change your IP address, you want access to other TV packages that might be cheaper than the ones uh, that you have to use for whatever country you are in, then NordVPN offers uh, a deal where I think you get about 60% off. And also on top of that, you get four months free. And best of all, you also get 30-day money-back guarantee, so you can trial it. You can use it up to six devices, so you can share around your family, and it's very useful for a multitude of things. So for the price of a coffee a month, it's worth checking out. Go to www.nordvpn.com slash moms, M-O-M-S, and get further details there. Thank you very much. Right then, gents. I think it's time for some news, isn't it? I think so. Yep. Should we talk about uh, our mate Nolsey and his ones and twos? (laughs) He went down swinging, didn't he? Fucking hell. Ones and twos hitting the AZ uh, Ultras. Those those Dutch crazy bastards. I don't get the whole Dutch thing because I went uh, as... Placid bunch of people normally. In the Euros, as a way out of the COVID situation... I looked ahead, I think it was the last day of the group stages, and I thought, hang on a minute, Holland, they're going to be playing in Budapest here. Budapest, full 60,000 stadium. This is as good as Euros is going to get. Booked three tickets ahead, a couple of friends in Amsterdam. Off we went. What a couple of days with the Dutch fans. Great. The orange march to the stadium. Brilliant. You know, some of the best football experiences I've had. Really good times. Dutch away fans, though, in Europe. Fucking bastards, notorious. I mean, I've got a uh, Ajax friend who uh, is one of the leaders of one of the uh, the Ajax big supporter groups there, and you know the amount of fines that they rack up for the club playing in Champions League or Europa, you know, away from home, and they've been banned within their domestic league. It's you know it's incredible, and you saw it again West Ham what they had to deal with, and you know fair play to old Nolsey because he stood at the top of that stairs with uh, somebody else, and uh, it was like a, the Mordor hordes, wasn't it, on from Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or something, like a scene out of quite cinematic. Hopefully you'll get one of those hopefully you'll get one of those four thousand tickets that West Ham fans have been allocated for that Europa conference final in a stadium in Prague that's got twenty thousand capacity. I mean UEFA, what a joke. I mean, this is the question about where Villa are at the moment. It's like, should we be concentrating on the league next season or would we get in a Mickey Mouse situation in this conference league next season? Because can you imagine Villa get to a European final? And, and it's 4,000 people can go. 20,000 capacity, and, you, and you're limited to 4,000. Ridiculous. Ridiculous, the frustration. So, uh, you know, hearts out to the Hammer fans there. But this isn't a West Ham podcast, is it, Chris? It is not, David. Is it, Phil? It definitely is not. So on with the Villa News. saying that there's more West Ham news out there than Villa news. I kind of like the fact that we're just concentrating on on on-field matters though for now. Coutinho is out for the season uh, as you will know that is a I wanted to see him play under Emery like properly like have a run of games Mm. because you know Emery likes to do his tweaking and his rules of roost on actual in-game performances none of this kind of what he sees on the training field so i don't know what's going to happen there have they made their mind up already will he be essentially in dress rehearsal during the pre-season games has he got another season at a top level in him we shall find out i saw collectors in him didn't i, I witnessed a continual goal for aston villa yeah 
Uh, meanwhile, uh, Emery has been nominated for Premier League Manager of the Season. I mean, they'd obviously give it to the winner of the Premier League, even though they've broken about 130 financial uh, irregularities. But I think if you go into the Europa League, there would be a case there, because that, that, there's a story there, isn't there? Failing Villa, Emery comes along and out of nowhere gives them Champions League form and they finish in the Europa League. So uh, we shall see, but... Uh, we don't need little trinkets, accolades. We know what's going on here. The bigger picture is looking very good for Villa. Meanwhile, Chris Heck has been confirmed, unlike Matthew Arleman. A lot of people jump the gun and put out their YouTube videos of <laughs> what he's going to bring to the club. It's like, why are we going to win the Champions League? And stuff? Why are we going to win the Champions League? Who are we going to buy? And it's like, yeah, just there's something fishy about that. We we kind of said earlier on about that fact that he was going to be at Barcelona to the. 30th of June it's like well who's that helping uh, it's, it means he, he's going to have a conflict of interest so he can't really get involved with the Villa situation so that's it just felt a bit weird and actually you know so many people jump in the gun and this is the way the media is now they create the story before it's actually a story and that leads people down all kinds of rabbit holes anyway moving on Speaking of nominations, the Villa women's team has been doused in them. Manager Carl Award, Rachel Daly, Kirsty Hansen, all nominated for players of the season and manager of the season. We are recording this before they act, the women's team actually play Liverpool at Villa Park. And you'll obviously know what happened uh, probably before you listen to this show. Right, let's move on to the three points. First one, well... Everybody else in football likes to raise prices for fans and castrate them, and especially Villa doing... Uh, there's a season ticket waiting list, 30, 34,000. But on the sly, if you want to uh, jump that, then uh, if you're willing to pay £1,560, you can uh, get a ticket in the upper hole. Bit easy, Jed, isn't it? Speedy yeah, boarding. Speedy boarding. Yeah, as part of this, the terrace for existing season ticket holders is a bolt-on charge of, was it 480 if you want it for the season? But if you're going through the hospitality, they're offering you it as a new member, i.e. skip that list. You give them uh, 1,560 and you are uh, straight in there. Takes the piss out of the uh, 34-odd thousand on the waiting list and creates two-tier system there's those it's like life isn't it it's like it's reflection of society if you got the dosh you can skip what everybody else has to do anyway meanwhile <laughs> in tunisia the tunisia football federation are actually offering financial rewards to well-behaved supporters in an attempt to reduce the number of violent incidents in stadiums dutch teams haven't been playing in tunisia have they recently what, no, what's the story here? I think there's a bit of bury in the lead there because this is in the back of a riot at the Esperance's African Champions League game against an Algerian side, J.S. Kabali, which included a fan wielding a chainsaw. So I think <laughs> really that, that should have been the South point. America, isn't it? So basically, if you don't bring a chainsaw to a game, we, we will give you some money. <laughs> but what kind of money are they talking about? Well, they're going to give um, 10,000 dinars, which works out at the current exchange rate of £2,592 to the team whose supporters are deemed ideal during every top flight and domestic cup game for the rest of the season. Uh, so that's just a one-off payment to the team as opposed to uh, individual supporters. Because I was going to say you could cash that in and get a uh, the Terrace stroke uh, season ticket, but not really a season ticket, in the upper hole. And just just bypass that and just bring the chainsaw and go straight into the Terrace. <laughs> 
<laughs> cut your way through the walls. It's amazing the amount of money having a chainsaw saves when it's getting into football. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, I don't think that turnstile's made of strong enough metal. I can cut through that in a second. By the way, we just want to caveat, we do not encourage the use of chainsaws while entering a football stadium. Point number two. I think we've mentioned him on the show before. Remember the ball boy who got kicked by... Uh, Aiden Hazard. Did did Hazard get sent off for this? I can't remember. He did, he did. Yeah, he got sent off. When Swansea, it was in the League Cup game, wasn't it, against Chelsea? They were playing Chelsea, and of course we would have played them in the final, but we won't talk about what happened there. Oh yeah, this was the semi-final, wasn't it? When the ball boy was doing a very good job of uh, basically eating down the clock, I mean, showing uh, Emi Martinez uh, a thing or two. Anyway, he, you may know, set up a uh, vodka company, called AU Vodka, which became kind of big on the, the influencer scene. Jake Paul did that thing where uh, they paid him £206,000 to have a tattoo of the bottle of vodka, and I think that kind of vanished. They also paid Swansea people uh, £250 to have a tattoo of the, the vodka bottle as well, and there was a few that obviously turned up for that. So anyway, so the, the ball boy... Charlie Morgan set up this AU vodka company with fellow founder Charlie Sloth. Now, if I was getting into business, I'd be a bit suspect going into a business with somebody called Charlie Sloth. Just uh, the, the surname doesn't exactly point to him doing 50-50% of the work on whatever business project uh, you, you have, uh, if, you, if you get my drift. But uh, anyway, they are now, obviously Sloth's pulled his finger out because they're on the uh, the Sunday Times latest 35 list, which is under 35 rich list. And they are currently joint 27th, 55 million their uh, enterprise is worth. Now, this is interesting, uh, this list, because uh, certain footballers pop up on it. And uh, former Swansea ball boy is actually higher up than Harry Kane, who is uh, 32nd on the list with a value of 51 million just above uh, charlie the ex-ball boy is uh, raheem sterling on 61 million then it's in 22nd place immediately above sterling is gareth bale on 70 million then you've got like anthony joshua in 13th place on 150 million and then if you want to know who's like top of the list it's kind of old money isn't it it's the Duke of Westminster, Hugh Richard Louise Grosvenor, who uh, has inherited his title, land and property portfolio when, when he was 25. He's now at the age of 32, worth $9.878 billion. Yeah, it's tough work if you can get it. Hmm. You know, you saw him in that Swansea game. You knew he was a, a chap with uh, initiative there, and that's how it plays out in the big, bigger world. Even wasn't held back by a business partner with a surname Sloth. Point number three... <laughs> Now, this is a bizarre one. You have to fill me in on this one, uh, Phil Shaw. That's probably one of my favorite points of all time. Arsenal, and this dog probably needs to be put down, uh, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Arsh. I'm a dog lover, by the way. Arsenal have got themselves a companion dog, a chocolate Labrador by the name of Wynn. Well, maybe you don't have to put him down. You just change his name. Just rename him. That's a compromise. Yeah, call him him Bottle. (laughs) Then they'll have some Bottle then. (laughs) So what are they? What, what have they been doing with him anyway? Oh, they're just like petting him as he walks past. He's he's just to, to sort of like take the nerves out of the team and generate a, a family atmosphere. But it's, is it, it's what is this? Is he in the changing room pre-game? He's just round the no, just round the training ground. They haven't. I don't think they've taken him to away games yet. Ah, right, okay. But it's it's not the only method he used because he's also brought an olive tree in the team meetings this season to show players that growth only comes when roots are cared for. 
I love him because he's going in that territory of wacky old uh, Arteta. And I think uh, if he's still in management when he's like in his 60s... Oh, he's, he's going to be fantastic. He's going to be amazing. And he'll probably end up in Villa uh, on, the, on the old managerial <laughs> treadmill. Hopefully, championship. <laughs> hopefully we'll get him when he's in his like late 60s, when he's at peak eccentricness. He'll be like yeah. the Spanish Brian Clough. Although I do like what he said about the olive tree, we have to look after the roots every day, make sure they don't get poisoned, don't get damaged, and remain in the right condition. Who in the changing room is going to go poison the manager's olive tree? (laughs) (laughs) You'd be surprised. One of our more bizarre stories, that one. Right. Before we go on, a big thank you to what the My Old Man Said members, especially those who joined us in Match Club for the Liverpool game. It's always nice when there's something on the line in Match Club as the season draws to the close, and it was an epic finale. Also, uh, a big shout out to Richard Hewson, who joined us earlier on in the week as a member, if you become a member. And I do recommend this, especially for vegetarians. You may know what I'm referring to uh, by the time you listen to this show. You will get ad-free sponsorship-free shows, and that's what I'm referring to the uh, vegetarian. You may have heard me uh, read out a certain, let's say, a blue chip We only have blue chip sponsors on this show. But if you're a vegetarian, it might have broke you out in uh, a rash. So uh, we do recommend becoming a member to avoid that reaction. But also you get extra shows. I just put an extra show out about certain things uh, off the field about how Villa are handling this terrace. Also, uh, the potential issue with uh, Villa memberships in about season's time as well as insights into potential uh, allocation, away allocations next season and some of the things they might bring in, uh, as well as a change in the in the ballot system. So if you also want to join Match Club and become a member of our Inner Sanctum, as well as getting the extra shows and ad-free shows, please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the membership link on the menu, which you uh, if you're on a mobile device, it'll be the three bars that you have to click to uh, get the menu up. But uh, thank you very much for Richard Hewson for joining us this week and everybody else who has joined us in the, the past month or so. Right, shall we? Let's go on then. I don't know if we should start with the lineup of this game or the lineup the last time we beat Liverpool at Anfield. 2014, I think, was the year. Lambert was in charge. We had Guzan in goal. We had Hutton, Senderos, Baker, Sissoko across the back line. Midfield, Cleverly, Westwood, Delft. Up front, Bonglehor, Feynman and Richardson playing on left wing. How the hell that managed to beat a team that uh, you look at the Liverpool team and it has more Villa connections than uh, I like to look back on that actual Villa team. You've got Moreno at left back. Obviously an imposter, not the real Moreno. <laughs> not the Moreno. <laughs> not the one. Uh, you had an ex-Villa manager in the centre midfield. Uh, I can't remember his name. Alongside Henderson. Then you had a uh, Philippe Coutinho as well pulling the strings behind Balotelli. With, Back when he wasn't pulling his hamstrings. Yeah, with Markovic and uh, Lalana either side of him. So Not a vintage Liverpool team, that is it? No, but still, Balotelli, Coutinho, Gerard. Oh, Gerard! I shouldn't have said that name. Uh, Henderson and uh, the fake Moreno at left yeah. back. You take it over a back four of the Villa back four <laughs> that I just uh, read out any day. Anyway, uh, this game we didn't want to wind up the Liverpool fans by rolling out the real Moreno, so that was one of the changes we played. Luca Dean at left back, which raised my eyebrow because we were talking about how Moreno was obviously going to be one of our best chances to you know, have a go at Liverpool at Anfield. They then, uh, as 
Bud said on something for the weekend that maybe the likelihood of uh, Wendia sitting this one out on the bench. Kamara came in. That made sense when you thought about it. And so we were going here, I think, looking reasonably solid, certainly more solid than we did in 2014 when we somehow managed to win. I think I said on the show before, this is also a chance of looking at Villa in, in terms of their mentality and how they go into the big games now. And do they go toe-to-toe in terms of not having that inferiority complex? I mean, we've spoken about fans before saying, oh, this is a free hit, this one. I think that's out of our mentality now as a club. That phrase, just can, that can go straight in the bin now, that phrase. Yeah. It's- yeah. I mean, I was getting into this, right, we're going to give you a game. And there's always that inkling, like the, the old Villa might show up. But I think every test that comes our way now like Spurs came to our place we took care of business Liverpool after that Spurs result we needed something out of this game I mean a win ideally would have given us traction against Brighton for that Europa League place because you expect Brighton to beat Southampton Mm -hmm. so with that in mind that's why a win here would have been very handy but a draw puts you in pole position for the the other Europa conference uh, slot ahead of Spurs so and the signs were good well, I think the you know the, the fans and the players will have noted the the Spurs result before they kicked off and thought, "Wow, this is an even bigger opportunity now." Now they sort of Spurs have cracked the door open for us. Let's let's go and grab it. Let's go and get a, get ahead of them. Let's put it into our own hands. Early doors. It was it was looking good. It was yeah. we played. But I mean, Liverpool started relatively well, but then I think Villa kind of thought, "Hang on a minute." We're right in the game here and very quickly we got into some really sort of, well, quite familiar patterns of play. Considering Liverpool have got quite a high press, we were actually playing through it very well and we were getting some joy once we got past that initial first phase of it. We were running through their midfield, you know, Ramsey, Louise, thought McGinn was superb, Kamara looked sort of back to his old self. It was a really good midfield performance in the first half. But it was certainly, you raise your eyebrows at the start when you go, oh shit, we forgot Liverpool really do a high press. So this is actually, we've seen a, the, the evolution of becoming more comfortable playing out of the back. But actually this is the proper test now. This yeah, is the real stress test. This yeah, one. this is the real stress test. And Because you look at that game just after, was it Boxing Day when they played Liverpool and playing out for the back from was in its infancy then and Liverpool yeah. did this is well. This is against the same team, and you see how far Villa have came since then. Yeah, you thought about it. You go, oh, actually, Luca Dean and Maddie Cash haven't actually been regulars in the last few weeks, so this actually might play into Liverpool's hands. But you know, a couple of shaky moments here and there. But I thought overall, as Chris said, we we did handle that uh, really well. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, we have a penalty, and it's like, hang on a minute this could really be our day. The problem is that when, I mean, McGinn had the ball and you thought it's just one of these where to take the heat off the actual taker, they then pass it on to the taker and he passed it on to Watkins. And it's that thing where I just had that instinct where you think, I'm not too sure about this. There isn't something where you're thinking about the past, the present, what what a player's done. It's when it's, it's an instinct and you know sometimes, and that's not good to have as a, to have a striker, is it? When you're striker, you're not 100% confident in him taking a penalty. No, I mean, obviously, the, the first season he arrived at Villa, he, he had a couple of uh, iffy moments, didn't he? He had a, had a knack. I think he missed a couple that year, didn't he? And yeah. He just thought, ah, you know, admit, you know, when he, when he sticks it wide, you think, ah, oh, it was that the chance, you know, could the game swing on one moment? Well, it's, it, it, was a, it, it was a terrible penalty. If you blaze it, it over, you, you can kind of think, well, okay, and, and this is in terms of the context of missing the target. You shouldn't be missing the target at this level. Not but when if you blaze it, it over, you think, okay, you, it, if you blaze it over, you're going for power. So you can kind of understand that it is one way that players miss. They, you know, hit the bar, it blazes over. But when you side foot it wide. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Imagine Watkins, he doesn't have a, a, 
a penalty taking technique. I mean, you look at, I know Kane missed a, a big one in the World Cup, but he's firing that penalty into the top corners. If you look at El Ghazi, I mean, it's hitting yeah. the very sides of the side netting each time. It's going in high and with pace. Watkins is just hoping, that's what it is, he's hoping that the keeper goes yeah. the wrong way. I mean, if the keeper goes the right way, he just catches that. And I'm suddenly, the whole of his career is flashing in front of my eyes and I'm seeing him not selected for the England team because they don't trust him in the, in those moments where it's you're not bringing him on in extra time in the semi-final of the World Cup because you think, well, he might need to take a penalty here. I wouldn't have him in my top five penalty takers when the stakes are really high. And that is a problem to have that in the locker. When you're thinking about Villa in Europe, you know, they're in the semi-final and they're going to have a penalty shootout if they're going to win anything in Europe. You know, it's, it's pretty much obvious nowadays. If he's in one of your five, he's not a banker and you need to be a banker. You can be a banker and miss, but I mean, when you, you don't want him walking up to the spot and thinking as a supporter you don't want to be hoping like he seems to be that he'll yeah. score sell him it's difficult. It's, sell it's, him it's, sell him that's what i'm saying <laughs> it's difficult for him isn't it i think we we said sort of since the newcastle game he really comes with a warning tag now and teams have kind of said we need to isolate him so he doesn't he's not getting anywhere near as many chances in front of goal so the penalty at anfield was probably the biggest chance he's had to score in the last few weeks yeah true um luckily why they for, gave it to him luckily for villa of course you know, a couple, couple of minutes later, a great passage of play, and you, you're one nil up anyway. Thank God. I mean, he must have been feeling very relieved at that point. Yeah, big time for a you know really good move. You know, great, great ball in from Louise, brilliant finish at the back post by Rams, and you go right now we're right in the game here. Now we've got something to hold on to because generally speaking, in, in recent weeks and months, when we've taken the lead in a game, you you do fancy us to see see the game out and get some kind of a positive result. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And you had a feeling, we, if you were going to, in the big, bigger picture, like we need to take advantage of this Spurs result. Yeah. You had a feeling we needed to score first here because Liverpool would come strong at the end, whether you're 2-0 up, 1-0 up, whatever. 
Yeah, I mean they've won seven on the bounce for a reason, haven't they? They've got good players and they're and they're pretty well drilled in big matches and you know high pressure moments. And they can pull out any result if they you know yeah. if if we were three 0 up at half time, you you still wouldn't be surprised if they drew three all. So you're dealing with one of the best teams. And this is what I forget about the context of this game. Just as a game in isolation, it was an impressive performance by Villa because you are playing against a team that's still. And at home, it's the second best. Apart from Manchester City, this is the best team at home in the Premier League. And they've only lost once this season. And, you know, just look at their form since Emery's been at Villa. It's a, you know, which is the only football I like to think about is Villa under Emery. Liverpool's record at home has been 1 9, drawn 2, lost none. So it's a, they're a real force at Anfield. So for us to go there and did what we did, fluff our lines. And, you, you know, you're thinking, well, that might be the only chance we get on that penalty and then score pretty much within a few minutes. And hats off again to Ramsey, who ghosted in like vintage Trezeguet on the back stick. Yeah, and I'm he was always a threat to them. He ran in midfield. He ran at them. He, you know, he carried the ball really well. He was the you know, and we were sort of well. We'll get on to the second half. But he was like the, the second ball, half. Wasn't he? he was. He was the out one. He gets you up the field, and in the first half, he he drove three, four times, just right at the heart of the defense. And I love when I love players who do that. McGinn did it a couple of times as well. I thought that, that, as I said, those four in midfield in the first half, especially, put in a really good performance. Even Bailey, I thought, put in a good shift for sort of the best part of 50, 60 minutes. Because you have you have the impression, you know, you go back a season or two, there was a little bit of maybe shyness on the pitch in terms of the personality of his play. And now he's a, yeah. he's a bit more thinking that he is actually a big dog amongst, their, you know, all these players, that he can take them on and get their respect. Well, he's got a big enough body of work now to prove that his his. Uh, approach has positive results. Yeah, and, he, and he's you know he's got a goal a great in him. Finish. Yeah, it's a great finish. He's got a goal in him, which is more than you can say about Jack Grealish. <laughs> you had to slip that in. Um, <laughs> and at one 0 you kind of thought, go on then, take the game to them a little bit. Um, and we had, you know, we had, he had another chance, didn't he? Was it a brilliant move for the little ball that gets slipped down the side on the free kick? Louise with a really clever one. You know, I think Villa set pieces generally on the day were pretty non-existent, should we say? One before, actually, the before the penalty where we decided, look, let's play it short. Pass it back to the goalie. It's almost right. like our first opportunity to sh- shoot a shot across their bow, yeah. our first corner, and they play it sideways and then play it back. Liverpool super sharp in terms of pressing, and then suddenly it's at Martinez's yeah. feet and he plays it out of touch. Whereas the free kick is a it's a great run from Ramsey where he sort of goes and he runs from really deep. So the Liverpool players are kind of like they see him coming but they don't know where he's going. Sneaks around the side. Great little slide rule pass from Louise. Really good save by Alisson. And at this point you think, fucking hell, Villa are really causing them problems. Martinez is kind of a he's just sort of like sat on the deck the deck chair, isn't he, at the other end of the ground? He's, you think he's is that, is that anything to do at this point? Liverpool didn't have a shot on target in the first half, uh, despite having sixty two percent of the possession. Uh, I mean both no. teams had four shots overall in the first half, but zero shots on target, there was no threat. And yeah. mainly that was down to Mings. I thought Mings was outstanding. Brilliant throughout. Brilliant throughout. Which is why they probably tried to get him sent off towards the end of the first half. I mean yeah. he goes in, he gets the ball first the foot is high but he's actually in the process of trying to avoid Gakpo he's trying to draw his foot back yeah. and he makes contact with him and of course all the Liverpool players swarm and around him Henderson Robertson all the usual suspects around the referee yeah, and Henderson was working it big time wasn't he yeah and that's that was your sort of worry going into the second half you sort of think to yourself is there going to be there's going to be something you said I think in the club, there's going to be a moment there's going to be something's going to happen just for context uh, Ming's got a yellow card there so you're thinking ooh they're going to target him because they're looking at our bench probably and thinking now ah, there's no Chambers there's no Carlos they haven't actually got a recognised centre-back to slot in. So if you want to beat them and you want to nil down, that 
is one pathway you could take. Yeah, it, it wasn't the day to have you know Chambers ill and Carlos with a little knock apparently that had got on Friday in, in training, um, which kind of ended up being the theme of the game. Really, for Villa was just people hobbling off and limping over the line. But you said that he thought there was there was going to be um, VAR drama somewhere in the second half, which there was. But it went the other way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's talk about that now. I mean, just thinking back to it, who puts it in the net? It's Gakpo in it, eventually. So it's eventually put away. But you're thinking there's there's potential here for VAR because there's at least two or three players that have been offside in this passage of play. Now, are they the active ones? Uh, So it it was kind of like, there's a chance here, surely. And then it went to VAR... It, was, it wasn't like 100% clear initially, but there was a good chance of there being one of these players off offside. And I think there was a, there's an initial phase and there's a guys offside, but then they're not actually active. And then f- as, as they went through the tape, then the player is active. And it went to the monitor. And as soon as it went to the monitor, you thought, actually, I think we're all right here. But it, it did take a while. Yeah, and it's unusual for a referee to go to the monitor in an offside. It's what what do they call them? The subjective offside, where he has to he has to actually make a call. Yeah. Because I think there was a little deflection, wasn't it? Like an accidental deflection off Conza, if I'm right. I think that was why why it went. The ref had to go and have a look. But you, you know, you, you just didn't know at this point because, of course, the ref had spent most of the first half avoiding booking um, Fabinho. Yeah. You know, he had about five, you know, real, couple of them were pretty obvious ones. There was a few, like, you know, 50-50 ones. But you thought, how on earth has he got away, you know, without a yellow card in the first half? I think it it took him 80-something minutes to get booked in the end. Yeah. Persistent fouling, which is ridiculous. Especially when they're tactical fouls, when it's a Villa player breaking the halfway line and he just scythes them down. I think he scythed them again down twice. At least. Question, he may have stamped on him as once as well. I mean, anytime, even if it's the gentlest brush of, you know, your shoulder or a a touch of a shirt, whenever it's breaking up an attack, that's a given that it's a yellow card, but not today. But yeah, their VAR incident, it kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. You know, they'd sort of got up ahead of steam a bit, but without ever really, you know, Martinez didn't have a huge amount to do. He didn't really in the whole game, you know, than catches a couple of shots that were straight at him, but there was no like, you know, guilt edge chances. And that was kind of, you thought, well, hopefully that's the the wake up call for Villa. And we'd made a couple of changes. Changes. But then from then on, it was, I think, Liverpool sort of thought we're on, we're on side now. I mean, this is the, the problem that Villa had or Emery had in that in the second half was he'd made the changes. Luca Dean went off. I mean, he was on a yellow card, but he, injury. So Moreno yeah, went on. Again, didn't he? Ashley Young comes on for Leon Bailey to kind of solidify a bit more that right-hand side. And within, well, like 10 minutes, Moreno gets injured. So he has to go off. I mean, that was a blood sacrifice because it was a great piece of defending that he got injured doing. Yeah, to and Buendia comes on. So initially, McGinn went to left back and then uh, Young went across and took over. Liverpool are, are all over us and, uh, let's say, uh, impressing their will on us. So Emery's having to, in terms of the high line as well, normally it's down pat, but you've got different players now and players playing out of, di- out of position and probably doing different tasks that they normally do or have done over the last few weeks. So... Emery's literally having to kind of in-game make it up as he goes along in terms of trying to quell the onslaught and get the players organised as best he can. And sometimes that high line was breaking and and it did on the goal because I think Kamara, I mean, we're recording this straight after the game so we haven't had the benefit of watching it back. But I think Kamara plays them on because the the actual back four is is high up and Kamara's the furthest one back and on on the Liverpool attack. And that happened uh, before as well. And I think that's what 
Goddard's in terms of that the high line, but I don't know. It was I mean, it's the last minute. Well, it's one minute to go. They score, isn't it? Was it was it inevitable? Well, there was a good chance they were going to score because they they were uh, imposing their will on us, and we yeah, were they really they've really penned us in. We just we couldn't we couldn't get out of our half at this point. I think Villa were kind of saying, "Well, we're going to play a back six. It, it was a little bit like the the first away game actually under Emery, if you remember when we went to Br- Brighton, and I think that game we saw it out by basically having a back six and with a row of four in front. But you just felt Liverpool two, had a lot of the ball. Yeah, two minutes before the goal, he did did a double substitute, Duran. And Dan Donker came on for Watkins and Louise. I don't, I don't know if that, that doesn't really play a part here, does it? I don't no, think not so. really, because when you say it was in the, for me, scored like with one minute to go in the 89th minute, I think anybody watching the game and how the how much injury time there was at the end of the first half goes, there's no way there's only one minute to go. There's at least yeah. five, six, seven. But we got the, the magical sight of uh, double figures of injury yeah. time. Yeah, it seemed to be a bit of a, we had a, we were talking before we recorded, weren't we? We'd sort of had a look down the other games and, you know, Everton equalised in the ninth minute and Spurs and um, Brentford earlier had about eight minutes. You thought, wow, this is, this is clearly a, a, a thing now. They're obviously in the last few weeks of the season really trying to clamp down on this. And of course, Villa had, had multiple yeah. injuries and a little bit, I think, you know, Martin has got another yellow card for time wasting and all those sorts of things with, you know, with multiple subs for both sides, etc. I think it all played into it. Yeah, and the way the game was set up at that point, uh, it was only going to favour one team uh, at that stage. Yeah. And then at that point, you know, you think he goes to 1-1 and that's where you kind of go, right, shut up shot even more so. Get out of there with a point and it's a really good point. Yeah. You know, Overall, a good well day. deserved one. Yeah, it's a it's a really a job well done. Yeah, been, you know, would it have been great to win? Absolutely. You know, you'd have put a brilliant marker down. It would have set things up for Brighton. But from where we were a week ago, and with you know, with hoping for certain results to go our way, I, I don't think we could have asked for a better seven days. Really, no, because the point before the day started would have. It's like we we need a point just to keep ourselves in it mathematically, yeah. and uh, but. The point on top of Spurs losing was suddenly that this is a point that's it's kind of as good as a win in some respects. Uh, of course, not in reality because a real win would have. Uh, it's it's almost like a halfway between a what a draw does for you and what a win would do for you because a win obviously keeps us alive against Brighton for the Euro- Europa League place. But a, but the draw here was almost like a win when you're comparing us to Spurs because it puts us in pole position. It's in yeah. our own hands. If we beat Brighton, we know we're in Europe. It's as simple as that in the conference. I mean, league. It, it was always going to be the case that you would, you know, we said this weeks ago, didn't we? Whatever happens with other people's games and our games, you're probably going to have to win the last game of the season. So it doesn't change anything, but it just completely focuses it now. It's like, well, if you win, you've done the job of getting getting into Europe. And that's it's a very, very simple equation now. You've got a definitive reward if you win, you know yeah. exactly what's happening. Yeah. Uh, so overall. Be, I mean, you know, overall, you'd have settled for a point before the game, so you got that yeah. fair play. Ten minutes to go of injury time when they pull back. You've held them off for 15 minutes. Fire off into the future. If we're in a big game, I don't know, FA Cup semi-final, European game, and you need to play one of these top teams and you need a draw away from home, we, you know, we've, we've shown that we're comfortable to do this now. Well, it's, it was a really interesting, I suppose, over 90 minutes. It was 45 minutes of two very different Villa performances. The first half, we were very well organised, played some really neat football and had a bit of sort of um, a bit of punch on the break. The second half was completely the opposite. It was just gritty, determined, well organised, you know, bodies on the line. And, and it's good to know that the team can do both against, Yeah, let's be honest, a fifth. But this is still a, a really top side and one of the difficult away games. We'll talk about the European picture after... Media Muppets.
Right, what's in the medium epic trough this week, Mr. Shaw? Oh, well, I have to say, Mega Richards, come on down. <laughs> now, personally, I think there is a role for a character like Richards on TV and in Pondry, or else it will be a bit dry. You only have to look at, what is it, CBS's yeah. version with him, Carragher, Ab- Kate Abdo, and uh, Thierry Henry. Great chemistry between That's them That's what all. you want to be watching, actually. I mean, uh, it's amazing how an American channel's got that above the English setup. I mean, it's far superior to BT Sport, who were covering the same game. Yes, I mean, you'd said before, whenever he was injured for all those games at Villa, they should have put him to work on Villa TV. It would have been the perfect Yeah, I mean, I actually rec- I told Villa, I said, look, he's sitting around doing nothing, getting paid, so why don't you get him in Villa TV? Because that needs a revamp. And you'd also personalize him you'd get to explain his situation a bit and you know let's be a bit more transparent here but also he's got the skills to pay the bills in that respect yeah but however sometimes his brain and his mouth don't connect Ooh. either i mean this week in the space of the two separate champions league semi-finals he showed zero self-awareness of him and the situation at all I mean, he left himself open for abuse in both semi-finals firstly the way he reacted in the San Siro for the Milan Derby and the one final saying about how great the atmosphere he was and he'd never experienced an atmosphere like this and he was genuinely mind-blown by the stadium and everything else. I mean, if your other job's ambassador for Man City, I mean, obviously there's there's no comparison between the San Siro for a derby and the empty had, as somebody pointed out to him online. I mean, he's just left himself completely there, but it's the second won the semi-final where, of course, he has to bring Villa in it. So they're all doing their, their after Man City demolish Real hugs. Madrid. They're all doing man hugs. I mean, Carragher and every hugging Grealish. I mean, right, I'm sure Grealish wasn't exactly expect, expecting that he would have hugged anybody after the game, but I'm sure he wasn't expecting one from Jimmy Carragher and then uh, Mega Richards. But it's the comment they made, of course. Mega Richards comes out and fawning over Grealish, hugging him everything else. He goes, I bet you can't believe it. Like, playing for Villa and now in a Champions League final and you're just going, why? Well, no, he's got a <laughs> <I> mean, point. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those that doesn't come out in the wash, but he's got a point because I think his, his experience of Villa, it's like when we're in the shit. So I think the context... Yeah, well, he's, he's a bit like myself there. He needs he needs a bit more context, though, Mega Richards at yeah. times. But it's just, it's basically provides a, a red handkerchief in front of a bull doesn't it which is like villa fans on twitter any nuggets well the nugget comes from spanish outlet marca which uh, is where villa's owners nswe went to straight after the Aliman news when he wasn't going to be joining Villa. I think that was because uh, there was a backlash from the well, the Catalan press were basically saying, "Ah, Villa haven't got any money." It's you know they led him down the garden path, went to Birmingham, was you know so they were putting out a narrative which was not looking good in terms of Aston Villa. So I think that's why they stepped in. But if anything, surely, surely, uh, surely our owners are going to be richer now because they haven't got to shell out. Was it the best part of a billion to start the Las Vegas villains? Because they missed out, didn't they? This well, week? yeah, that's what I was thinking. So there's a couple of good snippets in this beyond the grandstand that everybody seems to have jumped on. The, the line that everybody jumped on was when Villa's owner said the strength of the project is beyond doubt and will be seen during the summer. I mean, it's like it's like Team America, isn't it? It's Aston Villa. Fuck yeah, woo! I got there. Everybody's <laughs> going running around. With that, but the the interesting bits come when they talk about the hiring of American executive Chris Heck, who ex of the Philadelphia 76ers that we spoke about before. 
with the aim of increasing revenue. So we spoke about that before, that's where it is, but this is explicitly in the Spanish media because they'll ask the proper questions. Then secondly, it was together with Emory, the sports executive structure is led by Spanish executive Damien Vitigani and the prestigious technical secretary Alberto Benito. Now those are names that I haven't really heard mentioned with Villa before, so when you do a bit of digging, they worked with Antonio Corden, who is now at Betis, so they're they're in the sort of up-and-coming section of the Spanish yeah. football press, so they're, they're technical people behind the scenes but the approach that Villa are taking is clear from the end it's Aston Villa needs this natural process of sustainable growth to establish itself among the English and European elite so it's it's not going to be shock and awe it's going to be gradual it's going to be sustainable. No, I, so- I, I disagree with you because personally distinctly said in that meeting that they're going bold so they are and and they still maintain to that if you read the press that it's it's not all on Matteo Al- Almeni that suddenly oh well that plan's ripped up and away we no they're going for it it should be on a different level obviously it's not reckless and you know that that mm-hmm. refers to the uh, natural process of sustainable growth but we're going up another level one hundred percent. Or else, you know, what's the fucking point? They have, you know, these aren't people, and as Chris mentioned, you're not diluting funds with the uh, Las Vegas villains or whatever they wanted to call themselves now. It's gone to San Diego, hasn't it? So with that franchise, so there is more of a focus now. And, you know, I'll, I'll refer back to when I asked Wes Edens to his face when he was initially interested in into Miami. And I said, why Aston Villa over into Miami? Because he was in talks with Beckham and he said, first thing he said was Champions League he said there's there's less of a ceiling he said MLS is there's kind of a ceiling but here with the Champions League so they're looking at the big big picture and you know we're not talking about just winning the Champions League and having two champ you know two trophies in the cabinet but what that entails is the growth of to use that ugly word franchise and we're talking about Aston Villa as a business so that's where they see winning the Champions League and you know that means that everything gets uplifted as a business so they now know they've got the most important part, and I think that was referenced, was it not, in, in this uh, article, that yeah. Emery is the key. Uh, the problem is with all, with all these things, um, as you know, as I said to Lang, it, it, I mean, we don't want to go into it here, but this is this, where you just replace a manager with another manager, and it's like, and they're strong characters, and you know they are the, the fulcrum of whatever you're doing. It does create disruption if you if you're not running the club behind the scenes like a Brentford, like a Brighton, where your scouting team and and your football setup, your football directing setup doesn't really doesn't matter who is leading, you know who's the head coach or whatever. You've got your game in order, and it's obviously they bring a bit of personality and and take you give you certain advantages, whatever, and obviously tactically maybe better than uh, the last chap. But still, uh, you can't just rely on Emery. But you need somebody like Emery in in the most important position when it comes to on the field. And you know, obviously, as we always know, the whole football in business is led by whatever happens on the field. But I think no, they will back him. But the thing is, it's all right backing him, but you can throw money at things for the sake of it. But when you're looking at like Matteo Alaman, it's like, could he get you access to certain players that you might not get? If he, you know, if you haven't got him on your uh, on your team, that's my only thing. It's like, could he give you a slight advantage over, say, Newcastle when getting a player? Because you know they are the great black and white shark, as I refer to them, uh, swimming the summer transfer window waters, being able to snap up whoever they want. So it's like needing like the tactical advantages in the transfer market is what they're like looking for. I think at the moment is building. That's why they wanted him in because we are still behind whoever is in the top four Champions League places in terms of cachet and pull. But we'll see how it plays out. Right, we did promise you an Emery's clipboard. 
we're, we're running out of time here. So, of course, on Emery's clipboard, there is where we'll finish this season. So I'm just going to ask these two gentlemen. There's only one game to go. What's going to happen? End of the season. Where are we finishing? Let's talk wow. about the last week. Well, where do you want to start? Brighton have a vastly improved goal difference. I mean, we would need Manchester City to absolutely hammer them out of sight and then Villa to hammer them out, out of sight. Which isn't going to happen. So moving on, the Spurs situation now. Leeds versus Spurs. Look at Spurs. Look at that Spurs team and you know when how they were against Villa and what, what Brentford did to them. I think Leeds, if, if they go down, they'll still go down swinging, I think. And it's it's not going to be easy at Leeds for any team. And Spurs would just want the season to finish. Even if Leeds got a draw and it wasn't enough. Yeah. You sort of just, just, just take out Spurs. Because at least we all we got to do now is match Spurs' results. If they draw, yeah. then we just need a draw and we're over yeah. the line. Historically, we're generally pretty good when we've had a home game to actually have to achieve something. I, I refer back to us, like our semi-final record at Villa Park. I think we've only ever lost once in about eight or nine yeah, but I, I, I look, if I go back a bit further, like when we needed to win the league away against Arsenal, we lost that. Still managed to obviously fulfil the objective of winning the league. I always remember when we needed to beat Swindon to get promoted. Drew there, didn't we? Under Graham didn't Taylor, we, and we drew there. So sometimes you get the result in terms of the bigger picture, but you don't actually get the, the actual yeah. result in hand. So it could be one of them where we, we actually, it's a bit of a stinker and we get a draw. And but yeah. Spurs, but or everyone uh, draws or something. You you might Chris have to bring like an old FM radio and have it on have it yeah, on your shoulder. <laughs> got, I could get an eighty star ghetto blaster. Everybody, oh, it's we're getting getting well. Leads have equalised. The whole town goes mad. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, no one else in the whole can get a ra- signal. More chance of radio than yeah, more chance of radio. Well, that's than why Wi-Fi. I said so. We'd need an old transistor because there's no chance of fucking Wi-Fi to keep us. Uh, yeah, might unfortunate. To, might have to go on eBay and get one. Big Pete, who sits in front of me, is probably one of the only people in the ground who has constant 4G. All right, well, I'll move up a few levels and hang around. But I think, do you know what, the, the fact that it's in Villa's hands and with Emery and the current mentality of the players, I, I, I think they'll get the job done. So you're going on Emery's clipboard, you're going seventh. I'm going to go seventh, yeah. Phil Shaw? Yeah, I'm seventh as well. Which would be, which would be a brilliant, brilliant season. Tune in next week to find out if they were right. On that note, I think we should get ready to live the final week of the 22-23 season. Thank you very much for listening to the show and join us for something for the weekend ahead of the Brighton game and then the next main show where we will be reflecting on where exactly we are, polishing our passports down hopefully and looking ahead to where Villa go next. Until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage 
For people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment, the plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.